Yo, 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 ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned in to Southside Rabbi, where we bring faith to the city and culture to the conversation. You know what I'm saying? You already know what it is. We are back for another one. I got my boy Kevin Elijah, Smooth and Groove version. How are you doing today, my brother? Oh, I am blessed, highly favored, walking in righteousness with power to prosper. <laughs> power to prosper. That's good, man. That's I didn't good. say I'm prospering, but, but I you got, said power I got, to I got do it. power to do it. I have the power. I, I know the horse you got power. The power. Yes. You know what I'm saying? V8. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, bro. Um, I'm doing good. Thank you, KB. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm so, so sorry. How are you, I mean, the dream? I'm good. I'm thinking about something, though. Okay. So, I pride myself to be a pretty good driver. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'd say so. And sometimes, you know, like when you're driving and you're like merging, you're trying to get over into the next lane. Yeah. But it's like a blind spot. You don't see a car and they beep at you. You're like, oh, <laughs> yes. snap, I was getting in the wrong lane. Yes. So I was thinking about like this uh, like uh, story that Kevin Hart told one time, right? Uh-huh. On uh, one of his stand-ups and back when he was good. <laughs> and wow. uh, I was just joking. I was just joking. <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. I'm just sorry. Comedians always have better stand-ups when they're hungry in the beginning. And then once they make money, it's... I don't know. That's messed up, Hard bro. to do good comedy when you're sleeping on silk sheets. <laughs> silk sheets. Um, but uh, but uh, he was talking about <laughs> how he has these... He had these friends at the time that were very famous. Okay. Right? And, they're, and of course, their bank account was in a whole different world than his bank account sure. was in, right? yes. And he was talking about how... Um, he went, Makai Pfeiffer called him up, Makai Pfeiffer from 8 Mile or Soul Food or whatever y'all uh -huh. know him from. And he was like, yo, Kev, my daughter's about to have a birthday party. Your, my daughter's the same age as your child. Why don't you come through to her birthday party, man? It would be cool if y'all come. He was like, all right, cool. He was like, where's it going to be? And then he was like, you know, Disney World. And he was like, all right, cool. We'll be there. So he said he pulled up to Disney World and it was just Makai Pfeiffer, his daughter, standing in front of Disney World and there was nobody else at the party. Really? And he was like, hey, man. Kevin Hart was like, hey, man, what's, what's going Where on? Where's all the where's people? All, where's all the people? Like, I thought you said we're having a, a birthday party here. He said, oh, yeah, 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 we, we are. He said, I, I rented the whole park out just for us for wow. eight hours. For eight you hours. Can do that? And then Kevin Hart was like, hold on. Hold on, wait a what minute. You manner of money? rented Disney World out for eight hours what? just by, for us by ourselves? Wow. And so he was saying it was at that moment that he recognized that. He is in a totally different lane, <laughs> financial lane. Oh, one time I rented a Corvette. <laughs> That's it. That That's was it, bro. I <laughs> um, I, and I did it for about two hours. It was two hours. I had that thing back. Right. I had it early. Exactly. And then, and then, you know, some people may know like the famous thing where he was talking about how he hung out with that that NBA player uh -huh. and they went to the club and they got all of this stuff. He was like, I got a bank, I got right. a checking account. Right, right, yeah. Account. And then he said that his, that his friend called him and was like, hey man, we had fun last night. He was like, yeah, bro, we did. He said, it's good because we're going to do the same thing tonight. That's yeah. what he was like, bro, I don't, I don't got money. I can't. Yes. We're in a different lane. So it just made me think about like what it means like for you to be in another lane or like we like boxing like you get sure. into a ring yes. you see somebody may get into a ring and they're like hold on bro this is way this opponent is way more than I thought it's levels they would be there's levels to this and I am not on this man's level sure. and I was thinking about that because that's how it feels oh when you get goodness. around Kevin Elijah wow. Smooth and Groove Burgess when you talk to him about the scriptures and you think I could I could do this we could have a great <laughs> conversation about Jesus 
and theology. I can oh, lead oh. and 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 uh, uh, and teach like this man, wow. and then you just recognize that you're in a whole different lane. Stop it. Th- than this guy, like Stop you're, it. you get to the Disneyland, and you're like, I don't <laughs> have it. When I go and open the scriptures and try to be the theologian that I know I could be, that thing comes back and says insufficient funds. <laughs> And then I have to humbly with my hat and my to my heart go back and say, listen, (laughs) I got to check into the savings and I got to transfer the money from my savings (laughs) to my check-ins and it's not going to get there on time. It's going to take three business days. (laughs) That's how it is when you try to weigh yourself up against KB. Stop it. K to the second letter, not a second better. And if you think... And if you think, listen, I know that there's a lot of theologians out there. I was just listening to Ask N.T. Wright uh, anything the other day. And they were uh, talking to him about what does the scripture say about women preaching? And he was reading a passage from 1 Timothy. And uh, as he was reading the passage, his host had to stop and tell everybody he's actually reading this in Greek. In Greek! Like, and just interpreting it live. That's as right. He's reading. We all, I'm thinking he's reading from uh, the scriptures. Yes. And he's like, no, he's actually reading it from the Greek. Yes. And I know that there's a lot of great theologians out there, N.T. Wright, the Anglican brother. Um, there's some other great theologians out there that, that we can name. But if y'all think that y'all are better <laughs> than... K to the second letter, then I have some tickets that I could sell you to an ice skating rink in hell. Because that is what would happen before you think that you can mess with this man when it comes to handling the scriptures. Wow. So I just wanted to say, wow. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Elijah Smooth and Groove Burgess. That's who I'm introducing here to y'all. True theologian for real. Don't leave your Bible around him because as soon as you open it after he did, it's going to close automatically because it does not want to be handled by anybody else. Wow. Make some noise for my boy one time. I, I am... I am so honored. That was maybe the best intro I've ever gotten in my life. And we do this every week. Uh, I, you know, I don't have anything to add to that. I just want to say, uh, I'm grateful for I mean the dream. I have to go to sentiment when I can't compete with the sensational uh, flowers of rhetoric that just exude. No, they just roll off his chin, off his beard, into the microphone. Let me just tell you this. Um, thank you, brother, for being my friend, and I'm honored to always be honored by you. Uh, I, I did want to say though, unrelated to this. At least I don't think it's related. I uh, I was watching this documentary the other day, and uh, in the documentary, they were talking about how how uh, every animal, every species, right on yes. on, on this on this planet, yes. um, drinks the milk of their mother. Okay, right. So you know, cow drink cow milk, goat drink goat, goat milk. milk. You know, oats z- drink zebra, oat milk. Zebra almonds drink almond, almond milk. milk. Coconuts, coconut milk. And they said that for human beings, we start drinking the milk of our mother, but somewhere along the way, due to they they blame it on propaganda, uh-huh. uh, vitamin D, and what uh-huh. it's supposed to do for you, and, right. and uh, we should stop how your bones will be stronger if you drink cow milk. And they were arguing how uh, 
humans drinking cow milk is actually problematic for the development of your human body, especially for women. Mm. That there is, uh, uh, for, for women drinking cow milk, that there's carcinogen level effects Cancerous. that the milk has on their bodies. This is what the documentary said. Wow. And I was watching that thing and I thought, man, I know someone who has never had this issue in their life. Because my best friend, Amin, only drinks goat milk. And since he is the goat, he's drinking consistent with his nature. You gotta be kidding So me. he will never be exposed to all the things that we've been exposed to trying to eat Captain Crunch. Over here trying to bake a cake. Over here, you know, trying to, to put a pie together. As we pour that vitamin D, D for the devil, into our bodies. It's the devil! We are hurt, but you, my friend... Oh, my gosh. ...given your commitment to goat milk, you live consistently with the nature in which you were created in. That was a good Goatness. one. Thank you, brother. How did, how did I do, y'all? That Please. was good. That was good. Go in the comment section and think that, that I at least good. tied the score. That did I tied the score. It's not about that. My insecurity is showing. It's not about that. We're just honoring each other, man. I feel blessed by this, brother. Okay? Oh, my gosh. That was a good one, bro. Good one. Anyways, um, brothers and sisters, um, I have a book coming out. I have teased it several times, but I'm going to get very direct because today marks the beginning of a series. Yes. That we are doing through my new book, my debut book. All right? I can't say new. This is the first time I've ever done this. Woo! I've ever done this, Dangerous Jesus. Why? The only thing more dangerous than getting Jesus right is getting Jesus wrong. We're going to unpack that in full. We're going to unwrap it. We're going to unpack it. We're going we to mag put the, a magnifying glass on to the various truths in the book. And I hope by God's grace that this book would be powerful for enriching your life with God and helping to do the same for others. Amen. Now, Amen. The book actually should be called Dangerous Theologian. And it should be called Why You Should Quit and Resign from Your <laughs> Theological Position at Your Seminary. Wow. Why you, you should turn your, your, your two you... weeks notice in. Uh, stop. Uh, so, before we dive into this, yeah. and I'm going to say this several times, uh, to be a good... Um, author to my publisher, all right? Uh, brothers and sisters, if you have not pre-ordered this book, uh, I forgive you. And you can make that right before the throne of God and also Tyndale Publishing House. I don't <laughs> forgive you. <laughs> Until you repent and show that you have repented. Prove by showing that you right. pre-ordered the you book. You are unforgiven. <laughs> all right? I'm going to test you like <laughs> Joseph did to his brothers. You're going to have to show some sign of change or repentance. <laughs> Before my forgiveness comes, I was you just joking. I'm saying, Go I'm going to see some ashes <laughs> and some confirmation notes. <laughs> um, so uh, you can pre-order it everywhere that you order books. Also, accompanying the book is an audio book that me and Derek, the producer of this podcast, worked very, very hard on. Uh, in fact, the audio book feels like our podcast. If you're accustomed to the soundscapes and the sound effects and the vibe, feel, the emotion that we put into this podcast, it is all there present in the audio book. Make sure you're ready for that. In fact, if you pre-order the book now, you get the audio book for free for, I believe, 
four weeks. Hey. Four weeks of free audiobook. All right. So God bless you and God bless you good. All right. Before we begin, I just want to pray um, and uh, ask the Lord to not only bless this, this series that we're starting right now, but also um, to bless this book, which is very, very important to me. I believe it's one of my most important works to date. Um, <clears throat> here's my prayer. I typically, I typically pray this every time before I go on stage. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that this is appropriate for what we're doing here. Amen. Let's pray. What have I to offer here that might sustain the souls of others? Alone, I have little more to show beneath the scrutiny of lights than my own pride and insecurity, my craving for praise and my fear of rejection. Rather, let me offer something greater in this place. Let me offer something greater in this place, O Christ. As I step onto this stage, meet me amidst the wreckage of my ego and my woundedness and through me give what I alone cannot. I offer to you all that I have, my talents, my trainings, the years spent crafting and creating, my passions, my personality, my history, the many sacrifices I and others have made in order for me to be here. I give you even my brokenness of which I am also a steward. I offer now this these incomplete and insufficient provisions, remembering how you in your days among us, twice blessed inadequate offerings, fashioning them into miraculous feasts that would sustain crowds in their hard journeys. I pray that you would likewise receive and bless and multiply my own meager gifts, Jesus, for the benefit of all who have gathered here. Let these humble elements in your hands become true nourishment for those who hunger for you. And for those who have not yet wakened to their deepest hungers, let my brief service in this book, in this podcast to them be like the opening of a window through which the breezes of a far country might blow, stirring eternal longings to life. Take this tiny heap of my talents and my brokenness alike, this jumble of what is best and worst in me and meld it into the greater work of your Holy Spirit, using each facet as you will, so that even as sunlight coursing through a cracked prism, your grace might somehow be revealed upon this stage in whatever glorified and peculiar patterns you have fashioned me to display. Amen. 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 As we speak right now in Kentucky at a school called Asbury University, Wilmore, Kentucky, to be exact, mm -hmm. there has been a nonstop worship moment, phenomenon, yep. if you will, mm -hmm. where what started as a regular chapel service um, broke out into a 11-day revival. Yep. Um, and just to be clear, I think most of us probably already know these details, but I'm just mm -hmm. going to say it for those who don't. Mm -hmm. When I say nonstop, I mean 24 hours a day for 11 days, over 200 hours yeah. of people repenting, praying, worshiping, um, confessing. Um, uh, the, the, the testimonies that have come out have been encouraging on the face of it. Right. Um, Absolutely. I mean, and I were talking about how uh, this is America, so Christian mm -hmm. 
culture, Christian celebrity culture is uh, alive and well. Uh, as some Christian celebrities have, tr- have caught wind of this, mm-hmm. pardon the pun, and went to go check it out, yep. there was several reports about how the leadership at Asbury protected, they, they, excuse me, they were protective of what God was doing in that space where they did not want anybody with a name right. or anybody's name to be commingled with the uniqueness of what God was doing in that space. Absolutely. Uh, the, typically what you would see in a situation like this where something special was happening, we don't hear about stuff like this. Mm-hmm. We'll hear about somebody opened their church and then in two weeks they had a thousand members and then two weeks after that they had 2,000 members. Right. And then th- we, we've heard of those kind of exponential growth moments. Mm-hmm exponential growth moments. I don't hear a whole lot of, yo, we were all together. We were just doing service. Mm -hmm. And something broke out that was so important that we couldn't leave for 11 days. Yeah. Right? And then people up the street and across the country begin flying in to not marvel at the greatness of a person. Right. Right? Or production. Or production. Because that's another thing that they said that there wasn't light smokes, smoke, Camera, no amazing $100,000 audio system. This mug is happening in a regular, you know, little old sanctuary. That's man. right. That's right. Yes. Nothing about it in, as in, in, in Kentucky. Wilmore, Kentucky. Right. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. It, there's nothing spectacular. Um, it's just in Atlanta or LA. <laughs> you know exactly. exactly. <laughs> right. This is a all but forgotten space that it seems like something unique is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, this is special. Whatever you want to call it, it is not common that this kind of, things ha- this kind of thing happens. Right. And let me just underscore one more thing. We have always said that the true mark of revival is not in your ability to grow your church. Mm-hmm. Although, growth is a mark of revival. Right. It definitely can be a mark. But it isn't uniquely Christian. It isn't uh, isn't uniquely of heaven. You can have earthly ingenuity, marketing, uh, promotions, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, incentive to gather people and grow something. You don't need Jesus for that. Right. Um, But what you do need Jesus for, bro, without, with nobody can question this, that you need Jesus to repent of your sins and turn from them and walk with God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You need Jesus for that. This is what Jesus says. Heaven is not, uh, earth has not revealed this to you. Heaven has revealed this to you. You can't be born again without the intervention of heaven. Right. Being born again has a flavor, has a a flavor, has a vibe to it, has a drip to it. Mm -hmm. The drip, the... The, the sort of entrappings of a born-again person is that your des- the designer on your back is repentance. Yeah. You're constantly feeling the weight mm-hmm. of what God has done, right? Mm-hmm. To save you. Right. And constantly turning away from the things that would compromise the one, the relationship with whom you love. Amen. That's heaven. Mm-hmm. That sounds like that's the, the burden from what I have seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, of this place. Yeah. And I think it's an, a good thing to bring up to start our series because let me be clear. I wrote this book because I'm hoping that God would use this book along with 
a lot of other work that is being done right now. Um, I was praying about this last year that, God, would you raise up a bunch of podcasts, preachers, rappers, authors, leaders, businessmen who are born of the Christianity of Christ, Mm -hmm. that they might stand down, obliterate, and eclipse the Christianity of this land, which is so made a mockery of your name. Would you allow us at any cost, oh God, to turn the tide of your great name towards the glory of your son and away from Mm -hmm. the misrepresentations and the glory of culture. Right, right. And parties. Yeah. And politics. um, In in, in ethnicity. Mm -hmm. All of the things that would distract us from true kingdom work Mm -hmm. that in a lot of ways has, you know, for we've, we, you know, we've talked about this on the podcast, but let's just be honest. And I noticed that people get bothered with us when we talk like this. Uh-huh. Christianity does not have a good reputation in America. Yeah. You can argue about how unfair that is, particularly for the local churches that are actually doing God's work. Right. <clears throat> I welcome those arguments. And it is, uh, yeah. There's a church in, in Alabama that literally eliminated orphanages in their city. Yeah. Eliminate them. We'll adopt them all. Right. Praise God. Mm-hmm. We can talk about that in present time, historically, right. hospitals, modern medicine, right. art. Right. There has been some substantial W's that the church has put on the board. Mm-hmm. But in today's climate, in the advent of social media, yeah. you know, media in general right. is deeper than that. Right. Where we are broadcasting to the world essentially some kind of PR package of who God is mm-hmm. from God TV, not literal God TV, but I'm talking about yeah. God on TV. Right. God, right? yeah. God faith based ne- networks. Concerts, books, all, there's all kinds of conferences, events, right. uh, you know, mega churches. Right. The conglomerate mm-hmm. that has put forth the image of who Jesus is has not fulfilled. <laughs> The conglomerate has a mission to put forth who Jesus is, and we have not done that well. Mm-hmm. Full stop, right, King. Right, right. And a culture, a world, a nation that is utterly lost in con- uh, is utterly lost in terms of who Jesus is, is a culture that is ripe for revival. Mm-hmm. That means we have an opportunity. Right. I'm not going to argue with you about some PR point of not making Christians look bad. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. The Bible doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Newsflash, brother. Most of the New Testament is written to correct Christians who are tripping. Yeah. <laughs> Message. All right? That's it, about it, 80% of it, bro. Yeah, that's right. You know what I'm saying? That's <laughs> maybe half, more. Maybe more than the, that. Half of the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. There's all kind of other good things, the promises of God, right, like for that. Sure. I think that's equally as present. But a lot of the times, they come with each other in that's concert. Right. It's hey, like a tag team Y'all partner. are tripping. Yes. Here, the promises of God, this is why you need to stop doing this. Yes. Because this is what the promises say. <laughs> it's like a tag team partner. All throughout the New Testament. That's right. Yeah. Does. In light of what I just said about what about the promises of God. Yes. Do this or exactly. stop doing this. Exactly. <laughs> Paul bro. is doing. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. I'm even thinking about the ways in which Paul addresses the church where he says, hey, uh, 
the, the, the man named such and such is tripping. Right. He went away. Stay away from him. <laughs> yeah. And I also, I, I think about it because this is what I'm saying. People get bothered when we say things that are less than. Um, the church is amazing. It's great. Awesome. Right. Everything is Christ great. Wonderful. Head, everything is good. Yeah. Everything is awesome. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was raining down just all these Bibles blessings. And, and Bibles. From, people just getting saved. Feathers from angels. <laughs> just raining down. This, mo- this one must be from Gabriel. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Dog. Yeah. Because that's how we talk to each other. Right. That, that is, and I talk about this in the book, in the, in the chapter on dangerous friendship. Hey, many of our communities are like that. If I ask you. How are you? How are you? Oh, brother. Hallelujah. Man. And God has just been so good in showing me the Man. ways in which, you know, praying for six hours is a little bit better than praying for five. Oh, okay, man. Ask God. To help me get yeah. the seven. Oh, I'm really struggling. I'm trying to get there. Last night I read Genesis to Revelation chapter one. Yes. And I just and I broke my down eyes out when because I woke the up reason, the next morning, having fallen asleep. I said, How could my heart be so carnal as I'm holding the very riches of the king in a book? <laughs> and I fell asleep. And I just, just pray that God would have mercy on this slow, dull heart that can only, Piper, that can uh, only, only hold the word of God heart, in, mind, and soul. I fell asleep, woke up, ate chocolate. <laughs> and I asking God to, in the heart, mind, heart, mind connection, I want the desire to go to sleep to be gone. <laughs> That I may gaze upon the, the glories, the beauty of the king, the rock of ages. I love Piper. We I'm love sweating. Piper. Yeah, I just we say Piper that. Fans. I just say that because I love, we love you. We love you, Johnny Pipes. Yes, yes, that's right, man. Yeah. Uh, JP. JP. Anyways. So in that way, mm-hmm. uh, your Christianity, in a lot of ways, is more influenced by PR than it is by a personal relationship with Jesus. Oh, so, so it's so so it's a different PR. It's a different PR. It's it, oh, I didn't, it, it was it's public relations instead it's of public personal relations. Relationship. Per, per, that was an accident. There you go. Hey, hey, hey. that's right. Hey, hey, public relations are right. how do I look around other people? Yes, it, we're no different from the rappers, which I know of many. Yeah, that their labels will partner with partner with them to help them look rich on Instagram. But you're not. You don't own any of your masters. Your publishing is is leveraged out of this world. You owe the label so much money, you are going to be making records until the cows come home. But it's the same concept. It's the same concept. You look rich, you are not rich. And what I'm saying is Christianity, in a lot of ways, if we're not careful, our personal relationships with each other can be a symptom of why we get so mad when we talk about the ways in which the church has to do better. Yeah, we don't want to deal with reality. That's right. Because rea- if, if Jesus is, if Jesus has never been concerned about just looking the part, yeah. he doesn't just want to look like the Savior. Right. He wants to, he, he is the Savior. He is the Savior. Yeah, right. So That's it's right. not about looking like the Savior. So I think in, in some ways, one of, the, one of the quotes I start off, I start the book off with is that we should not be surprised about Jesus's, we should not be surprised by Jesus's waning influence on the culture when Jesus has a waning influence on us. Yes. If he's not capturing our hearts, then 
What are you thinking that he's supposed to be? These folks are not stupid. Yeah. We have another thing too, bro. Now that we have the information age, I can basically uh. at any moment Google what's going on poorly in almost with every Christian expression in any city in right, America right. right now. You can't hide. Y'all can't just keep this between you and the elders. Yeah. This is not a situation where somebody can get Man, think about when people got harmed in the 90s. Yeah. They didn't have a Facebook that they can go to. Right. There wasn't even like Yelp and like no. Google reviews. No. Unless you put that mug in the yellow pages. That's, that's right. That yeah. cost you $100,000. You got some money to, to place an ad in the paper. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Yeah. There was no Reddit threads. No. And I'm not saying, I understand that those things have a dark side to them as well. No, but it's a double-edged sword. The other side of the sword is that it's actually exposed. That's right. The the ways in which people have been harmed, manipulated, and abused, and and, and has actually been great tools of accountability for those who are in power. Yes. Which we did not have access to before. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So folks are not going to pretend as if things are all okay, and they're not. Right. And I'm and I'm and I'm trying, man, and, uh, man. Go ahead. Please, no, 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 no. No, I was gonna say, and not only that, but when we look at Christianity or treat Christianity like it's PR, yes. The problem with that is PR is exactly what it, it's just public relations. It's about image. It's That's about right. making something look like what it's not. Ooh. So the problem with that is you can get people in to the church, or maybe in proximity to Christianity via right. PR, right? But if it is PR, yes. They are going to discover that it's not what it looks like. Yes. They are going to discover like, hold on. Wait a second. Y'all sold me a bill of goods. Y'all was talking about like unity and, right. and, and, and uh, us coming together and sacrificing. And now that I'm actually here, I find out more that, important than everything. Right. Yeah. And now that I'm here, I find out that that's not what's going on at all. Now, we're not talking about like we talked about in our, our previous episode with uh with Brother Jerome Gay, that you're going to get into church and the church is going to be imperfect, of course. Right. We're not talking about that. Yes. That's, that's a whole different thing. But we're talking about rank hypocrisy and abuse. And abuse. Took the words right, right out of my mouth. That's, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, boy. Is that you can, you folks can market yes. the church right. and market especially in America. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. We can market Christianity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As being the the thing that the Bible says that it is, we can look like we are. It's like it's like a <laughs> it's like presenting a a a a a picture of a person that looks like Terminator, right? He got yes. the jacket on, he got the bionic arms, he's yes. huge and you're like, "Yo, this dude is crazy." Yeah, yeah. This this man is about to destroy everything. He, yes. Nobody can mess with him. Yes. And then you go around the back, and you find out that the back is cut out, and it's like a little kid in there operating the yes, the, yes. the thing in the front. Absolutely, it's like it, it's like yes, it works if all you want is the platitudes and the superficiality of yes. just the image. Yes, but the thing about Christianity and about Jesus is that he goes beyond an image. This is not a facsimile of right, Christianity. Right, 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 right. Jesus wants Christianity to be real. That's right. So once people get into the these churches, yes. they get around the the people of God, I'm saying that in air quotations for those who can't see us, uh, then they find out that, wait a minute, this mug was a charade. Yes. It was a sham. Yes. And that's what we cannot have. That's the very thing that Jesus is against in a very real sense, like in the 2000s where we heard 
And folks, for all my hip-hop folks, say, will the real Slim Shady please stand up? That's right, that's right. We are saying, and culture is saying, will the real Christianity stand? please stand up? Yes. Or there isn't any real Christianity because we've never seen it. Come on, bro. And we are wanting to stand the real Christianity Come up on, to testify to the culture that Jesus is real. That's right, that's right. This is what Jesus is getting at about why he says, you know, the, 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 the name of God is blasphemed among the heathen. Right. It's because of your hypocrisy. That's right, that's what right. What the scripture makes very clear. That's right. God is very concerned about what we are really living like. Absolutely. It's, it, it, you talked about that in the book. Yes. You talked about that people, that w- you talked about the early church in the book. And you yes. said that what most impressed people about the early church was not what they said they believed, right. but how they actually lived. That's right, that's right. Yes. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So talk, I mean, yeah, go ahead. My no, bad. That, no, that's absolutely right, bro. Um, and I'm trying to pull the manuscript no, up go ahead. now. Um, appearances are not enough. And I think that, to, to your point, Meansy, we have found that in terms of having ministerial success, appearances are enough. Mm. And if you can invest in appearances to the point where people are wild by the look, then you can get enough distance between them and the reality. The reality where they won't even, you can in some ways sedate them with the appearance that you, you you realize that there's some kind of spiritual disconnect when you're in your word, when it's you, your Bible and God. Uh And you're like, I see the glory of Jesus in this book, but I don't see it anywhere else when I, go to the places that the book tells me to go, like right. to be in community, to be in churches. Right, right. But you will often find in these, oh man, I hate to say this. Some of our Christian fellowships are appearance factories, bro. Oh. They're appearance factories that use the sacred scripture, the authority of the sacred scripture to get you to give, participate, um, serve sometimes. Yep. But oftentimes, that will happen at your own peril. I've watched men and women burn themselves out because at the end of all of your emptying your pockets, you're serving the, uh, the, the, the local church, you're trying to be sacrificial. You, like, I'm sorry to use this example, like when Malcolm X was trying to live out the ideas of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, he found that it was only one of them that was actually living what both of them were talking about. And it was him. And it was him. (laughs) Right. And what happened? Once he got past the appearance of Elijah Muhammad, his faith began to shatter. Right. And here he is. FBI is confused. Right. They're like, man, it ain't no crazy, weird... We try to find dirt on him and we we can't find none. We need more shovels. You know what I'm saying? And what I'm saying is that that will happen in our space too where somebody will have a real, real, a real, someone will have a real encounter with God, bro. And then they will then show up to something that is, you know, an appearance factory. Right. But the appearance factory will have you dying to do all the things to please the leadership and whatever whatever it may be. Uh All those things, I think, are positive in the right place. They are definitely positive. They are necessary. In in the right place. In the right right place. But what we will often find is that the end is you got used and you didn't get more God. Listen, man, I I, I was talking to a, a co-worker a few years ago Yeah, that was a part of one of these, uh, that's a part of a church. Yeah. I'm not going to say which church it is. Yeah. But we know that there's a, uh, it's part of these churches when these pastors all want to dress like Jerry Lorenzo. Let me put it that way. 
<laughs> and uh, served at this church, gave all of her time, her yeah. and her husband. Yeah. I'm talking about killing themselves yeah. serving. Yeah. Just for that mug to, in the end, um, blow up in their face. Wow, wow, wow. And they moved away. Yeah. And when I came in contact with her, uh, she still wanted a relationship with the Lord, but her and her husband felt so jaded by yeah. what they had experienced yeah. that they haven't been back to church. Yeah, 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 for sure. And it was that real eagerness to really serve God. They've had this encounter with God. Yes. And the church took advantage of that eagerness by making, by turning them into cogs in a machine for the organization. Yeah, it's for the vision. And for the vision and yes. for the appearance. Yeah. And in the end, they ended up burned. And that church probably doesn't even notice that they're gone and could care less. Sure. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that's one of many examples of the way that we can be appearance factories. Yeah, and how it damages people. How, how it damages people. Yeah. Um, sacrifice I, you for the appearance. Yeah, I mentioned about when we were coming up, we had we got saved and we didn't, I didn't own a suit. Right. I don't know how many times I've been with people who had met with God, bro. Right. And showed up at churches wearing New Era hats. Yeah. And before your name is asked, before, before, we, before we can recognize your need, we need you to take your hat off. And we and they often do that mug offensively, yeah, disrespectfully, right? You like, don't how know where dare you, at? you, yeah, dishonor the house of God with uh, Jabot jeans on and a and a and a and a seventy sixers hat. A seventy sixers. Excuse hat. me, ma'am. Did God ever tell the uh, high priest to take off his hat before you went into the? Did you put the hat on? You want to live, fool? <laughs> God's like, where's your new? Where's your, where's, where's your fitted? No, get him out of here. Hey, get, get, get him, him out, of, him out of, here. of here. Right, right. Anyways. Sorry, but go ahead. Um, yeah, I, I, so let, let me step back for a second. Mm -hmm. The Asbury situation, even though I know there's a lot of critiques of, of, yep. yeah, of, of what is happening there. Mm -hmm. um, but folks like me are hopeful. Me too, yeah. That what is happening at Asbury is of the Lord and will become the story, if not of our churches, our hearts right. that you will find yourself not able to leave mm. you're in the presence of God you are is, uh, renewed revigorated revived on a heart level that we might have many of us and I'm telling you by God's grace um, I believe he will do it and I I think that there's a lot of work my book I mean he's going to be writing a book here soon as well Lord willing Lord willing uh, other folks are putting out things in the world to this end reclaiming the Jesus excuse me reclaiming the reputation of the Lord Jesus Christ so that you might meet him for who he is and not who the cultures imagine him to be Amen we don't got to reclaim Jesus. He is on the throne right now, ruling and reigning. He is just fine, healed and whole. Everything is on schedule. The plan is in motion. Yep, yep. Redemption is on its way. But he will not have any parts with me, you, or anybody else if you want him to basically be a partner with your foolishness, mm. with your reimaginations, with your idolatry, with your love for self, with your love for appearances. Jesus is, man, I, 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 this could just be in my head. But I see the Lord of glory like the very, um, in, a, in a much smaller way. Uh, this analogy is not going to work, but I'm just saying. 
I think about the dude that walks into a room to do a business business deal, mm-hmm. and he is not desperate for money. He is very happy at at the place where he's at. Right. He's looking for an opportunity, but he doesn't he doesn't really need it. He's not going to be jerked around. Right. So uh, by by your threats and and your promises, and he lays out some very simple, reasonable things by which we can get this deal done. Right. And you show up and and you start saying, "Oh, no, we ain't doing that." Are you serious? You disrespecting me? You know what? I'm listen. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna do blah 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 blah. And he just simply says, "No." <laughs> I, I walk out and. Um, Thank you for your time and move on about his business. Go have dinner with his family. Don't think about it again. Someone who is resolute, we are to be desperate for Jesus. Jesus is not desperate for us in that he would change the way he is so that he might fit within your paradigm. Or the culture's paradigm. Or the culture's paradigm. I, I landed on the title Dangerous Jesus. In all honesty, uh, I, I wanted some people to be confused by it. I wanted you no, to that's see... Good. I wanted you to see that book in the airport or at Walmart or Barnes and Noble, wherever they end up putting this mug and see dangerous Jesus and not really be sure what it means. For some people, they may think dangerous in the traditional sense where, excuse me, for some people, they may think dangerous as in Jesus is bad for the world. There's a movement of individuals. They've been around for a while, but they are on TikTok now that are trying to stop the existence of religion in this world. They see religion as a evil, a perpetrator, uh, uh, a perpetuator of evil. Mm-hmm. Religion has done that in right. the past uh-huh. and in the present. Yeah. And I think that the word dangerous is appropriate because dangerous, particularly in the arena of like sports or somebody that is a threat to the opposition. Think about LeBron James on the court. That man is, that, that yeah. dude is a problem. Mm-hmm. He is dangerous. Mm-hmm. He is a threat, triple, double threat. Right. When we say a man is dangerous on the field, the court, in the ring, what we mean is that dude is a problem for the opposition. He cannot be stopped. Right. He steps into the arena and things change indefinitely. Right. Not just for the opposition because they can't get around this man or woman, but for the team. Yeah. To have this guy with us means that we are a force that ain't easily reckoned with. Exactly. To have the dangerous one on your side means that for the opposition, they are threatened. You are a threat to the threat, but you are safety to your team. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, that is a good word to describe Jesus and his Christianity. Right. That when you have this Jesus, the one who is legitimately ruling and reigning in the hearts of his people, the one that stands at the ready, who will return, who is forgiving and rescuing people for himself, breaking down, dividing walls and taking the two into the one new man reality, the Jesus that sustains us through the storm, the joy giver, the wave calmer, the savior of the world, that Jesus, if you know that Jesus, then you have a person and a work on your side that is a danger to anything that could be dangerous to you. But Frederick Douglass points out for us that if 
your Christianity, your Jesus is more like a mascot, right? Mm -hmm. We talk about we talked about that talked before. About before. You know what a, a mascot, mascot is? Jesus, yeah. Mascot Jesus. Yeah. He just Where, represents the team. It re he represents the team. He represents and also, think about what mascots typically are. Yeah. If it's an alligator, it's it's it walks like a man. It, right. it has you know a, a head that's three times as bigger than, right. a, than a real it's like a caricature. It's a caricature of a real thing. Right. 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 You know, it's, you know, you got some yeah. cowboys got these two big uh, yeah. berettas. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And the and the and it's all foam. They don't really work. Right. Yeah. And the mascot is usually there in support of the team. They're not really a part of the team. That's They're right. kind of like a sideshow of the team. Right. They've never made a difference when the team is doing bad or the team is losing yeah. or the team is ex excelling. Nobody said, man, bring in the mascot yes, to, to, into to the locker room. room. No. We're down by 40. Where's the mascot? It's a, it's a, Where's yeah. Ja? Right. <laughs> Where's Ja Rule? Talking about when Dave Chappelle. <laughs> it's a sideshow. The man, he said, "Where's John?" Dave Chappelle. They were asked. They had they interviewed. There was some world crisis, and then CNN interviewed Ja Rule. What does Jaw think about? What does Jaw Rule think about? I don't care about Jaw Rule thinking about this. Nobody cares about what the mascot thinks about yes. how we should strategize. Exactly. And if Jesus is that, then he becomes a caricature, a silent. A, a exactly. Mascots don't say anything. Yeah, he's silent. And, and what he is there to do is to to dance around, look pretty, get the crowd hype, and let us run the place. <laughs> yeah. And what Frederick Douglass says is that. When that kind of Jesus is the predominant kind of uh, expression of who Jesus is in the, the, the world, yep. that Christianity becomes a curse to the world. Mm -hmm. It becomes dangerous yeah. to the world. Because in that Christianity, which we saw very present in the antebellum South, mm -hmm. would allow you to beat a slave yep. into uh, up into an inch of his or her life, yep. pull yourself together, walk into the house, and lead devotionals with your family. Yeah. Which is As what Frederick Douglass said happened. Frederick Douglass said happened. Yep. Thomas Auld, I believe his Auld, name was. Auld, A-U-L-D, yep. Uh, also said that after Thomas Auld became a Christian and his wife yes. became a Christian, they became very, very, very terrible people. They were much worse. Yes. So, particularly Thomas Old was a much worse slave master after he became a Christian. Yes. And that his wife, who actually was very endearing to Frederick, was teaching him how to read, basically almost like just raised him like Frederick was her own son once she became a Christian and Thomas started teaching her and everyone else started teaching them how they were supposed to relate to their slaves. She all but despised Frederick, which broke his heart. Wow. Because they, had, he they, talked, had, a, they a, had a very good, good relationship. relationship yeah. And he talked about how he can see her struggling with treating him poorly and her wrestling mentally with how she was treating him because she didn't really want to do it. Yeah. But she was kind of submitting to her husband. Yes. And then Frederick also talked about how slaves would pray yeah. That their slave masters would not be religious. Yes. Because they were known to be the worst. Yes, I mentioned that in the book too. I yeah. mentioned that in the book that uh, it was a prayer for mm -hmm. many mm -hmm. that their <clears throat> masters would not find, find religion or be religious. Right. And make no mistake, this wasn't that they would find some... Uh, 
uh, array of religions to choose oh, no, from. No, no, they were it, talking it specifically like they were talking about, about Christianity. I hope they don't become a black Hebrew Israelite. Right. No. I, I hope they don't become uh, uh, Muslims. I, right. I hope they don't become Hindus. I hope they don't become Buddhists. It was right. none of that. Let's not think miracle was not it was extremely not, pluralistic. It was not back pluralistic. Back <laughs> right. That man was that mug was monolistic. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. Man. It was like, I, in other words, I, oh my goodness, bro. What is it to be said that I hope that I don't have a Christian master? This, these are the kinds of conversations that were had in the persecuted church, which was the slave church in the antebellum South. Now, um, Frederick, uh, to, to, to tie that up in a, in a bow, mm-hmm. Christless Christianity makes people worse, not better. It makes you worse. If, if you have wondered why some of the angriest, the meanest, uh, the, the, the least agreeable, the, the hardest to get along with, the, 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 the more unnecessarily narrow, make no mistake, our truths are narrow. Yeah. Okay? I, 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 yes. I've been talking about this in interviews. Yes. No, we can't apologize for the narrowness of what we believe. Mm -hmm. But as it's been said before, you can can take the narrowness of your truth and make it more narrow. Yeah, right, right. It's like when we say that you you rarely need to give... It's like when we say you rarely have to be brutally honest. (laughs) Honesty is already brutal. You don't need to make it more brutal than it actually is. In addition to that... Your truth is narrow, but once you've stated it, what happens next? Mm-hmm. You don't agree with the LGBTQ plus communities' stances on a myriad of things, and I'm with you. Right. Now what? Right. What's, is what? there anything else that we can be active in? <laughs> is there? Is there? Is there any service? Any love? Any kindness? Any other way? Any places we could partner? Is right. there anywhere else we can affirm? Like maybe image bearers should not be beaten in the streets. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That Right, yeah. If you've ever wondered, and this is really one of the premises of this book, it's, it, I, I pulled it from Frederick Douglass's observations and the observations that I have made living in this world as a Christian for the last 15 years, mm-hmm. is that when you hollow out religion, when you take Jesus out of, uh, when you take Christ out of Christianity, when you hollow out the, the, the dynamic um, sort of connection to the holy, the other, the other world, the right. the the kingdom right. burden. Right. When you hollow all of that out of religion, people become worse. Right, communities become worse. Right, um, cultures become worse. So that's why I say, if we get Jesus right, oh my goodness, and what we're going to see here in a second, mm-hmm. everything changes. Right. This dangerous Jesus is the most dangerous man that ever lived in that he puts evil down, subverts the threats to our existence. Mm -hmm. The injustices, the sin, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, uh, the the works of the enemy, okay? Whether Mm -hmm. that be spiritual, governmental, systemic. Right. Jesus has a way, even in the worst situation, in the darkest of nights, to make his light get through and save his man or his woman. We have seen it time and time again, mm-hmm. bro. But if you miss that, and you just got Jesus, a character of Jesus, somebody that's parading and masquerading in his name, uh, you become the dangerous one. Ooh. Douglas, Frederick Douglas, 
he said, um, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I, I write in the book how um, I am more impressed with the faith of men and women like Frederick Douglass mm-hmm. than I am by anybody in the Great Awakening. <laughs> That not, there's not a single man or a woman in the Great Awakening that I would put next to this. Mm-hmm. It is, bruh, yeah. how easy is it? Yeah. When you are the dominant expression of, 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 of like, there's not just, not Christian just, privilege. Not just religious dominance, though. Yeah, yeah. Because you're talking about, I know it's just, I'm sorry. Go ahead, take it. It's Christian privilege. Yes. It's easy for you. This is what, this is what we've talked about in the podcast several times before about what is happening with American Christianity and politics. It's easy to hold on to Christianity when your religion is the dominant expression in the place in which you live. Right. It's easy to hold on to right. air-conditioned, safe Christianity. Right, right, right. Um, and and when you're thinking about in the time of the of the of of the Great Awakening, right? right though right. there was things that happened in the Great Awakening. A lot of people that were not religious, a, a large section of the country that weren't religious became religious. A lot of people converted. There were a lot right. of churches that were built to to take care to 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 house all the people that converted, all of that stuff. Right. But it's easy when you are the predominant kind of religious force yes. in the nation. Yes. And not only when you're the predominant religious force in the nation, but when you're also the predominant race. That's right. Absolutely. It's very easy right, right. to live out that Christianity yes. then. Yes. So if you are a white like man or a woman, right, in America at this time, even though there were some parts of it that were deeply irreligious, it wasn't like Christianity was at war like it is now sure in the way that, you know like in the way that it is now in the modern world right and so uh or in this contemporary time in the 21st century right so when you have that kind of religious uh that kind of that kind of religious privilege right and then you also couple that a with racial a racial pr- privilege, privilege yeah then yes i it, it it's at like, what point is this growth of an exciting new product uh-huh and not necessarily the kingdom of God exploding and expanding right. and ushering people into the kingdom. Another way, and in other words, put it like this, it is not impressive that you can get butts in the seats of your churches, right. go to three, four services, bro. Or Biltmore, yeah. Have you been to a Kendrick Lamar concert? Mm-hmm. Have you seen Drake? Okay, have, have, you, have you seen the ability that artists have to fill up, man, I, I believe that uh, Travis Scott just did his kind of, he went to the O2 Arena in, in London and did two sold-out concerts back-to-back. And I don't even know, I want to say that O2 Arena probably hold like 30,000-plus people. Getting people, exponential growth often can be credited to marketing, King. Yes. Uh, or, or, or the stars align. Yes, and I don't mean that. I don't believe yep. that. I don't, I'm not saying that magically. I'm just saying that there are things that happen, bro, where yep. God in His providence will allow for something to happen in the culture, or some something else will will will, will shut down, and y'all are still there. And then there's this being in the right place at the right time. Yes. All, all I'm saying is, where are the folks? Where are the Christians that are obsessing over the things that man cannot manufacture? Mm. You, who, who are the ones that are saying we want an experience with God right. that we couldn't pay for with a ticket right. to a concert or a conference? Or we couldn't market in we, a boardroom. That's right. Right. We couldn't produce. We, we, couldn't, we couldn't have a good enough production for this. What are, what are the things? And I talk about this in my, um, my chapter on the Holy Spirit, Dangerous Spirit. 
that the, those that would long for a kind of experience that the Acts 2 church had, not as one to observe, but one to practice. You say it like this, that you would long for what the Acts 2 church went through. What they experienced is not something to be observed. observed mm -hmm. It's to be lived. Right. They were doing simple things. Yeah. The breaking of bread. Mm -hmm. The gathering with the saints, the confessing of sin, the gathering around the apostles' teaching, mm -hmm. that sharing things in common, being sacrificial, and waiting for the Spirit of God. Mm -hmm. Out of that, numbers were added to the church. Mm -hmm. Of course, there were still problems in those churches. The Acts 2 church, the purest church that has ever existed, had problems. Right. We see that immediately in Acts chapter 6. Mm -hmm. Problems with those who are smaller in the church, the Grecian widows, yeah. being overlooked. So, this is not a kind of call for perfection. Mm -hmm. Oh, but it is a call for direction. Yeah. <laughs> that we would be leaning towards the spirit of the church of Pentecost. Right. Because you are the church of Pentecost. Right. In some sense, Pentecost should not be over. Right. Okay? The spirit has come and the spirit who is with who was with the apostles, is with us. Yes. And the work that he was doing at Pentecost, he's still doing now. Absolutely. That's the point. And the difference is, we have become way too accustomed to having the ways of Jesus in our minds, in our speech, but not in our hands and in our feet. Mm. And what I'm saying is, this type of discernment for extracting a dangerous Christianity that God intended from a dangerous Christianity that is going to dissipate into oblivion or continue in oppression. Yeah. Frederick Douglass said, after observing the, uh, um, the ways in which Christianity was abused in the antebellum South, mind you, one more interesting stat that I mentioned in the book is mm -hmm. that uh, Joe McDermott in his book um, on slavery talked about how almost half, Meansy, of all doctrine mm -hmm. that was written to defend slavery, almost half, King, was written by Bible-believing conservative Christians. Crazy. When I say conservative, I'm not saying that uh, politically. I'm saying conservative theologically. The folks that believe the stuff that I believe. Yes. We share the same gospel in understanding, to some sense. So I talk about that in the book as well, about how you have a half-baked gospel that is running rampant through the land that allows for sin to live in Siamese existence yeah. with Jesus. Man. So anyways, Frederick Douglass said, I love the pure, peaceable, and impartial Christianity of Christ." I therefore hate the corrupt, slave-holding, woman-whipping, cradle-plundering, partial, and hypocritical Christianity of this land. Indeed, I can see no reason but the most deceitful one for calling the religion of this land Christianity. I look upon it as the climax of all misnomers, the boldest of all frauds, and the grossest of all libels. The Christianity of Christ, in contrast with the Christianity of this land, might be, in terms of separating the two, mm -hmm. among the most important work for us today. Mm -hmm. Because the Christianity of Christ 
has made uh, uh, the, the, the Christi- Christianity of Christ has maintained the movement, but the movement is not televised. <laughs> what is often televised is the Christianity of the land. Um, but it is certainly in the Christianity of Christ that we come alive, that we see, shout out to Asbury, by God's grace, revival. More than 2,000 years ago, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say the Son of Man is? And his disciples responded, some say John the Baptist, others, Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But then Jesus directed the question squarely at them. Who do you say that I am? And Peter responded, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And let's walk that question out today. This is what this book is about, King. There are many prominent representations of Jesus, but who do you say he is? Is he the ultra right-wing Jesus who spins a Christianity that is hostile towards the vulnerable and defensive of the powerful? Is he condemnation Jesus who spins a Christianity that insists that people know that they are wrong without without also insisting that they know they are loved? Is he patriot Jesus who spins a Christianity that places America at the center of the universe, making the success of the United States tantamount with the success of God? Is he weak Jesus who spins a Christianity steeped in fear and fragility, consumed with threat finding and subsequent retreat from culture? Is he vibes Jesus who spins a Christianity that is a partner to our good time, but never never challenges us to be holy or righteous? Is he winning Jesus who spins a Christianity that associates the presence of God with success, with little to say about suffering? And I go on, which Jesus is he? Because my heart, I'm going to say this and I'm going to bounce past the you, I mean, is that we would see a Christianity that eclipses the Christianity of the land, a Christianity that cares for the marginalized, the poor, and the oppressed, a Christianity that is a that has a global savior and a global agenda that is influenced by what God is doing all over the world, not just simply in suburban America. Mm. A Christianity that is not of this world, but is in this world. Mm-hmm. Meaning it has an actual effect on people's spiritual, social, economic, and environmental states. A Christianity whose adherents are bringing the culture of heaven down to the culture of earth. A Christianity that does not pit biblical sexual ethics against genuinely caring for those whose lifestyle it doesn't endorse. A Christianity that loves marriage and biblical sexual ethic as much as it loves those who oppose it. An enemy loving, humility pursuing, and other centering Christianity is indeed the Christianity of Christ. That Christianity is a good kind of dangerous. Amen. To misrepresent Jesus and run with a mascot or a caricature of him mm-hmm. will inevitably, inevitably lead to dangerous outcomes. Uh, that's what we have seen. You take Jesus outside of Christianity, that Christianity becomes a danger to people. But... When Jesus is at the helm, the, 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 the truth, the, the living God, 
and his son who is ruling and reigning right now. When that Jesus gets involved, a different kind of dangerous comes out. Like how LeBron is dangerous on the court. He is a threat to the opposition. He is a threat to all that threatens us. This kind of dangerous makes us dangerous. Jesus understood correctly brings revival. Jesus understood and followed because you can't do, we can't have one without the other. You can't just understand him. Right. You got to understand him and follow him. Nothing stays the same. From Martin Luther to Martin Luther King to Lemuel Haynes to Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Jesus produces world-changing, life-sacrificing, heaven-summoning, dangerous Christians. And that is precisely what we saw in the early church. You know, we, we talk about that verse um, in Revelation chapter 2 when mm -hmm. Jesus says, hey, y'all got a lot of good stuff going for y'all, right. uh, church uh, at Ephesus. Y'all uh, got, 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 got some good commentaries. I see y'all got some seminary degrees. I see y'all got a, you know, you... You done been to some good schools. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 I see you. You, you, don't, you don't put up with false prophets right, even for a right, minute. Right. Somebody talking crazy. Somebody stood up talking about Jesus is still dead. <laughs> you kicked him out the church immediately. I love it. I love it, Jesus said. He said, but I got this one thing against you. You have abandoned your first love. Mm -hmm. And listen, um, if you don't get it together, I'm going to shut you down. Let that sink in. It isn't right. like, man, if y'all could tweak. Normally when you go through a whole list of good things, and then you bring just in make, the correction. Just, just tweak this a little bit a little, and you'll be, you'll be good. That's right. Because the one, the one good thing that was missing was more important than all the good things that were present. Oof. Right? You've abandoned your first love. Well, Jesus, I'm not trying to get snuffed out in this mug. How do we get back to our first love? Right. Jesus says, return to the works you did at first. What he says. What we actually have in the work of um, sociologist of religion, Rodney Stark, who actually just passed away recently, is a study of what those first works were. Ooh. What were the Christians doing that Jesus was excited about? How in the world, with no weapons, mm -hmm. no wealth, mm -hmm. no positions of influence in the society, it's a virgin religion. Right. Within three centuries, they had turned the world upside down. Jesus' followers grew from 12 disciples into thousands across the land. Mm. This is how Rodney Stark profiled the DNA of the Christian movement in its inception. Mm. And shout out to Keith Kiesler, who, uh, who um, gave us this study. First of all, there was a radical reordering of social relationships. In other words, people from different ethnic and social groups treated each other as family members. Women were given a higher status and were allowed to lead in worship. Up to that point, all pagan religions were dominated by men. Mm-hmm. They practice radical hospitality toward one another and towards outsiders. These early Christians saw strangers as neighbors mm -hmm. and they treated neighbors like family. Amen. They refused to use violence to spread their movement, which is a very effective tool. <laughs> right. The early church was almost essentially nonviolent for the first 300 years of its existence. Christians did not see 
partnership with the state as a means to spread Christianity. They did not see the protection of their religion contingent upon who they voted into government. I'm just saying. They also didn't see it as a st- having, a, having a state Christian government either. They did not. That's right. That's right. They, they, exactly. They showed compassionate care for the poor and stayed in cities during plagues to care for the sick. In the days of the early church, the plague of Galen devastated the known world. There was no cure. So when a city became infected, everyone deserted those who were sick. But historians note that there was one group that stayed behind to care for the sick, the Christians. And many lost their lives doing so. They willingly went to martyrdom while praying for their captors. They didn't fear death. In fact, they showed love in the face of death. There were stories of them singing songs, singing psalms on their way into coliseums. Scared, but resolute. They took in unwanted babies. Roman law permitted people to leave unwanted newborns in the field just outside the cities. Usually the babies didn't last long because wild animals would get them. But historians note that there was one group who refused to abandon their infants, Christians. In fact, who were the people that you would constantly see outside of the city rummaging through the wilderness, rescuing babies, the Christians. One of the most profound observations, and again, shout out to Keith Kiesler, who brought all of this to us. One of the most profound observations that came out of Stark's research is that it was not what the believers taught that made them so impressive to the onlooking world. It wasn't what they taught. Their doctrine was called atheism in the ancient Near East. That these atheists, because they don't embrace all of our gods, Mm -hmm. they see Jesus as God. That's where they are theologically. As interesting as that was, and as important as that was to them, their creeds were essential to their faith. Mm -hmm. The church gathered around the apostles' teaching. Amen. But that was not what made them effective. It was not what they taught. It was what they lived out. They followed in the footsteps of Jesus. They just didn't repeat his ideas. That's the dangerous Christianity of Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Southside Dangerous Jesus Rabbi. You feel me? Make sure that y'all tune in for the next one. Also, shout out to Native Supply for sponsoring the podcast. Make sure y'all go and get y'all gear for the kingdom at native.supply. And we will see y'all on the next one. March 7th, the book comes out. If you have not pre-ordered it, please do. All right? God bless you. God bless you. Let me just say for sake of our, uh, the sake of context, uh, Jesus talked about 
a group of individuals in that text who the church of Ephesus didn't get down with. Jesus says, you, y'all hate their works and so do I. Yep. It is believed that that group was led by an ex-disciple, not of the 12, but someone who mm-hmm. was walking with Jesus at one point, mm-hmm. who then began to have marital issues that then turned into a whole doctrine wow. around a fluffy sexual ethic. Mm. So here you have these folks in Ephesus saying, no, we stand firmly mm-hmm. on what the Bible says about yep. sexuality. Right. Jesus says, good for you. But that's not enough. He says, I have this against you. You have abandoned your first love. And listen, um, if you don't get it together, I'm going to shut you down. 